Welcome back to the Disruptors Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Johnson. Creating a new company in the food and beverage space is no small feat. While it's relatively easy to get started, securing shelf space, managing margins, and outmaneuvering extremely large and resourced incumbents can create considerable barriers to success. Lemon Perfect has been bucking that trend though, having raised over $37 million and achieving national distribution in five short years. Founder Yanni Huffnagel was in some ways an unlikely first-time founder, a former Division I college basketball coach with no background in the CPG space. But in this conversation, it quickly becomes clear why he's been able to succeed while many others have failed. We chat about the origins of Lemon Perfect, how he's applied his unique skill set to team building and vision casting, how he's instilled a culture of velocity and relentless execution, and much, much more. It was a really interesting conversation. I think you'll get a lot out of it. And with that, let's go to Yanni. All right, Yanni, thank you so much doing this. Very excited to chat with you. Obviously, I want to get into Lemon Perfect and the story behind that, but you actually have a pretty unique background as a founder. Was curious to learn, I guess, what were you doing before starting the company and maybe what led you to what you're doing now? Well, Sean, first, thanks so much for having me on. It's great being with you and congratulations on, on the success of the podcast and your career. I coached college basketball for 10 years. And ultimately, through or through some indirection, I guess, found direction in this journey. But 10 years coaching college basketball. My last year, I was at the University of Nevada, Reno. And that's where the, the seed of this journey was planted, if you will. And we can get into that as we, as we chat here. But certainly a unique, a unique road traveled for me. Mm-hmm. But what I would tell you is that my skill set transferred really nicely into into building and running a, a a beverage business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a ton of parallels that I'd love to dig into as we go. But what I guess where was the inspiration initially for Lemon Perfect? Where did that come from? Were you still coaching at the time or did you step away and what what happened there? I was. So, my last year I was at the University of Nevada in Reno and The short story is a friend of mine wrote a book on the ketogenic diet. And in the back of Matt's book were all these these sample meal plans. And every day started by drinking organic lemon water. And, and, And I was searching a little bit at the time. I was looking for structure from both a a workout plan and 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 diet plan perspective. And 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 Matt's book really had this this entire A through Z program. And and I said, Matt, I'm in. Let's do it, right? And and lemon water or organic lemon water in the morning for me became one a part of my morning routine, a non-negotiable part of my morning routine, but also a painful one, right? Or a painful process. There's one Whole Foods in Reno. Buy organic lemons, cut the lemon, squeeze the lemon, juice all over, bland taste, clean up process. I mean, a lot of mornings I just threw my hands up in the air and I said, my God. But I stuck with it. And fast forward. A month or so later, and we're, we're in the the conference part of the season, and I'm in the I'm in the, the the video room, which was right next to our locker room with with our coaches and our players. And at the time, we were all drinking by. And remember, this is 2017, so, so the first quarter of 2017. This is at the very very peak of their growth story. There was a 7-Eleven across mm-hmm. the street from our from our arena practice facility that we would go get the bottles and. And I just, Sean, I had a moment. I said, hold on. Can you take organic lemon water and give it the flavor profile of buy? And that that was the seed of the journey and that intersection of great flavor 
that's also good for you has been the bedrock of our brand really from day one. And it's not like I ran in the locker room and said, let's go. Like we still had games to play and we ended up, we ended up going to the NCAA tournament and, and losing in the first round to Iowa State. The game was played in Milwaukee. And right after that, at the end of every college basketball season, the staff typically goes away for a couple of days and just tries to, 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 to take a breath. And I was in, I was in Los Angeles, Santa Monica, and I was having lunch with a friend, a very entrepreneurial friend. And we were just chatting through this idea. And John said, I love it. He said, anything that you can do that can capture a piece of someone's daily routine, what they do in the morning when they first get up or what they do at night when they go to sleep or any point BCDE in between is worth going for. And I, I Sean, I jumped up. I said, my God, I've got it. And that night I Googled how to start a beverage brand. And, and that's, and now here we are just what, just, just under five years later. It's been a, an incredible journey, a challenging journey, a journey of many sleepless nights and a lot of darkness. But really now for the first time, we, we, we tend to have more days of light than dark. So it's a nice place to be. Pretty amazing. The, from a health perspective, just for folks that don't know, cause I've had ketone IQ on the podcast before I've had levels health on the podcast before, and I do the lemon water thing myself. Just for folks that are trying to understand what the benefits are of that, what is it that makes lemon water so useful for people? Yeah, well, it starts with with just healthy hydration, right? Lemons add flavor to water, right? They make water a little less boring, just generally speaking. So I think the foundational bedrock of good health lies in hydration, right? So you start, uh, we found the way to make water more interesting and not boring. Lemons themselves, and we, we typically try to start at a high level of, of functionality. And so we talk about vitamin C and electrolytes from potassium, right, as the lead. And then there are, there are multiple benefits of lemons as you go lower down the, you have citrus bioflavonoids, which have proven to be carcinogen fighters. Um, and you have other benefits of lemons that revolve around digestive health or fresher breath. You have the, 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 Collagen synthesis, for instance, requires vitamin C. So citrus fruits can play a big, a big role in that. The health benefits are extensive. We tend to try to play at the top of the funnel there, if you will, and just try to familiar points of functionality around vitamin C and electrolytes. Got it. And I would imagine, obviously, from a keto perspective, it doesn't spike your blood glucose either. You're you, from what I've heard, your goal, though, is to, I think the phrase you used is have like a consumer grade flavor profile. And so sweeteners are probably a big part of that. I would imagine you had to spend a lot of time researching and experimenting with various ways of creating that flavor profile without kind of creating the kind of junk that maybe most of your competitors are doing. So what was that process like? And what did you arrive at as a solution that kind of allowed you to create a uh, a product that tastes similar but has a superior health profile to it. No, I appreciate that, Sean. Look, we we number one for me is you have to win on taste, right? That is that is number one. So that's where that's where I started, right? And 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 we said that we want to win on on Main Street USA. Like that's the, the the when I think about when I think about building food or beverage products, packaged products, it has to have a taste profile that can win on what we call Main Street USA. And that's what I thought about before I even thought about the nutritional deck, right? I knew we wanted to, to have great flavor. I knew 
We wanted the, the product to have zero sugar and be low calorie. We, we landed on organic erythritol and organic stevia leaf extract, which does have a glycemic index of zero. So yes, I mean, ultimately we got to a point where we're delivering a product that has, that has no glycemic response, right? So we're keto certified and we call ourselves keto's most refreshing drink. But, you know, that is all to us a little bit more secondary than just winning on flavor and then kind of the, the, the nutritional boxes that, that, that America really responds to. So zero sugar, being certified organic, right? Low calorie. And then beyond that, we, we've obviously got a lot of utility for diabetics with, with no impact on blood sugar. It's a magical product outside of giving a real alternative to one out of 10 Americans that have, you know, diabetes. And then certainly the keto community, the dieting, the diet, the community that may be dieting and, and, and not want to put any sugar in their diet. So it, it, it really, it's interesting for us now more than ever, we're realizing that we're satisfying the needs of so many consumers with a product that really has never been done before. Yeah, it's super cool. So you said you Googled how to start a beverage company. I know that you, or I believe you, you raised relatively early. I'd be curious, the journey from Google to a successful initial raise, what was that like? Did you have an MVP of some type? Did you have a product? Did you develop the brand? And then maybe for folks that are trying to build like a direct-to-consumer brand or a CPG type of product, what did you maybe learn from that process to be helpful for them? Yeah, that's a great question, Sean. I Listen, I had no idea what I was doing, right? I mean, a friend of mine in the VC world, he said, are you a, he said, are you a Delaware C or an LLC? I said, a what or a what, right? I mean, that was, I had spent, you don't make a lot of money coaching college basketball. And I spent early on all of that on like formulation and the initial branding work and the IP work and that sort of, and, 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 and so what, what ended up happening is, is the truth is, is we always, we, we had, and I was running around little four ounce shots that, that I was pouring out from like a half gallon jug. And at the beginning, the product had to be kept cold. So it's like a whole nother, but, but, but what we always had was a story of big TAM, right? We, we knew that we had a really big addressable market and we knew that we could dream in a really big way. Right. And so fundamentally, there was we, we were able to deliver a level of enthusiasm or excitement to what I would certainly consider a friends and family network at the beginning. But when you marry the taste of lemon perfect and it was just it was just our original lemon product at the beginning, there was no skew. There were no different skews. There was not right. We didn't have any of that. And but what we were able to do, we were able to marry an incredible flavor profile with really big upside, okay? And I had no idea how we were going to go from four-ounce sample bottles to billion-dollar business, but I knew what we had at the beginning, and I knew where we wanted to go at the end. And so when you put together a, a like a little short deck, right, like there was enough in there to grab a hold of and say, my God, in the one in 1,000 chance that this thing actually goes, it can go to a really big place. And so I was able to tell that story early on. And, and we did. We raised over a million dollars from 40 incredible investors that now have a paper markup of almost 10x. And so I'm, I'm proud of, of what we've been able to do in the call it four years 
since we went out. But but look, I I told everyone at that at, at those tables that we were going to make a lot of mistakes that our margin math didn't matter and that we had a path to get there. And the truth is, is that we've made a lot of mistakes. Our margin math did not matter at the beginning. It does now in a really material way and that we would get there. And Sean, the truth is, is that we're, we're on our way now. I mean, we've cut through the chaos, if you will. And there are some retailers in America where we are taking some major, major share away from the incumbent players in the enhanced water category. That's super cool. I'd love to talk about maybe some of the milestones along that way. Just one more question about that early raise. How did you approach investors from like a strategic perspective in terms of them filling gaps in some of your knowledge? Or like you said, was it just folks that believed in you and in the vision? I think it was, these were jockey bets early on, Sean, to be honest, right? Like this was, this was Yanni, you won at Oklahoma when you were a graduate assistant. Yanni, you won at Harvard when you were an assistant coach. Yanni, you helped Vanderbilt recruit one of the best classes in in, in school history. Then you, you go to Cal, you win at Cal. You go to Nevada, you win at Nevada. Like this was, listen, you've won everywhere along the journey. Now let's go try to see if you can win on your own. So I I, I really do appreciate the group that came in. There, there was there was no sophistication or or plan to trying to get food and beverage investors into the, into that initial round, we needed capital, right? Like we needed a chance to just play. And, and the the truth is, is it was probably better that I didn't, that I didn't, in fact, the, the few conversations that I had with like actual professional investors at that point couldn't have gone worse, right? Everyone that knew me invested everyone that didn't knew me and just looked at the story said, I'll, I'll take I'll let me see how this goes. And, but it is a good, it's a good lesson for, for, for early stage investors, bet on the jockey, right? I mean, just, just try to peer into their, into their heart. And, and when I, again, I'm so appreciative of that group, but there, there was, listen, this was, this was a, 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 a very, very binary early stage bet, like write a check and, and probably don't think about it again. Now they're thinking about it now. Uh, but the, the, the truth is, Sean, is that, we did not have a group of, of food and beverage investors in our seed round. We certainly do now. But that that was, I'm just very, very blessed and humbled that we had such an incredible group of people come in early on and, and, and basically give us a chance to at least figure out if there was some some product market fit here. And, and we found that early on that there was. Yeah, along those lines, everybody talks about product market fit and it's admittedly a pretty nebulous idea in terms of when you found it and when you haven't. And with tech, you have the benefit of certain types of very granular data as people interact with your product or whatever it is. What what does product market fit look like for an organization like yours? Obviously like there's the taste question and do they like the way it tastes, but like when did you know that you had it? And maybe what were the markers that you were looking for that kind of signify that, oh yeah, we're there. I felt, I mean, to be honest, within a couple of weeks, because we, we, we launched the product in Southern California at Bristol Farms and we supported it. I mean, we, we believed that we had to be a mile deep and an inch wide early on. And, and that really helped us, right? We were very, very concentrated on Southern California. And, and, and so we supported those stores with demos. And then we added Arawan pretty soon after. And then, 
and then Lazy Acres. So at the time it was 22 stores, but within a month or so, I mean, Sean, we had blown out shelves. We had, now we were in the produce set. We were keep refrigerated items. So, so, but, but, so there was no back stock, right? I mean, there was, the truth is, is that you, you had such an incredible response to the product at demo and it translated into sales. And then you would take a couple of days off from demoing and you would have the shelf would look like you just made a nine out of 10 bowling. And, and, and so I, I think we, we, we actually, we, we didn't have a business early on. Like there was no, there was no unit economic story. There was no business story, but there was a product market fit. Like we knew that we won on taste. We knew that we won on packaging. I mean, we've made several improvements, but structurally the packaging has, has, has gone unchanged. We've made copy adjustments, but the gradient packaging, the yellow cap. So like we, we knew that we had something right away, right away. We didn't have a business, but I knew that we could at least think that we could build something here. And the truth is, is that we used that data to then go raise our next round where you did have professional investors come to the table and they did, they did look at the data and the hair stood up on the back of their neck, candidly, because I think they felt like if if they could make a bet in beverage, this might be a really good one to try to put some chips on the table. Yeah. For founders that are contemplating kind of creating or are in the process of creating, again, a, a, a beverage product or a CPG type of product, do you, is it safe to say that you recommend like network compression early on as a strategic lever to pull where you can stay really close to those early stores. You can go in, in on-premise and see what's happening and make tweaks and things like that. Was that was that part of the playbook that if you were to do this again, you'd do, this, do it the same way? Yeah, I might do it in Milwaukee or Albuquerque or like a different market where you could really penetrate that market. The, 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 the truth is, I mean, so listen, the, the playbook worked, right? Like it was, I mean, this... I mean, we, 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 we did that right. And, and the truth is that you have a lot of independent business in Southern California, like a, a, a Bristol Farms, like a Lazy Acres, like an Arawan Gelson's to a degree, right? So, so it allows you to get authorizations quicker than if you, if you went to New Mexico and had to wait on Smith's and Safeway, right? Like, and, and you, you might not be able to actually penetrate, right? Like those bigger national accounts. So, the truth is, is that there, there's probably not a better place for a first time founder entrepreneur to go than Southern California for food and beverage. So, but look, what I would tell, I, I would tell probably anyone that's going to start a beverage, figure something else out, not to be a deterrent, but it's a, it's a really hard road. Look, we, we feel like we're on our way. So I, I tell our team all the time, it's hard, not impossible hard, not impossible, but you better have uncommon DNA to take this thing on. What are some of the challenges that that are maybe unique in that space relative to other types of startups that you've maybe interacted with? The amount of capital that's required just to survive in advance, right? I mean, it, it's been well documented. I mean, we, we've, we've raised over $40 million. Now, look, we've got a, a, a really nice cash position on our balance sheet today, but but it is a capital intensive business because you have to win on the ground early. And so we made, we made decisions that were, were, I mean, 
made for, for anyone that looked at like our PL early on, I mean, you'd say, well, why are you going to put seven people against the market in, 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 in the Southeast, right? Like we just got, we got an authorization at Publix, but you need to support the business early on so that you, so that you can, you can live another day. And the truth is, is that raising capital is not easy. It's been, it's been, we've been very fortunate because we have, because I, I do believe that we're building a billion dollar business and people see the opportunity, right? And it's like, if you're going to bet here, like bet on us. And, 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 but Sean, the truth is, is that it, it is a, it's not easy to raise capital. If you look at the brands that have won in our space, uh, it's, you're talking about in enhanced water, you're talking about two in, in the last 25 years with vitamin water in 2007, buy in 2017 that have chased down big liquidity events. You've had some failed processes in our category. And it, it just, you have such choice in beverage that making noise is hard, right? And, and so I would tell you, you have those two things pulling against you in that you're, you're going into a world, the, the, the barrier to entry to start, I mean, I get, a, I get a call or a text almost every day. Hey, I'm starting a beverage business. Hey, my friend is starting a beverage business. Hey, my, my mom is starting a beverage business. And I'm, I'm like literally every other day. So you have very low barrier to entry, okay? And no one realizes how hard it is. So what I, but what I would tell you is you'll find out pretty quickly that you're going to get knocked in the tooth and, and, and you just got to be able to have the stick-to-itiveness and the perseverance to stay the course. But capital-intensive business, really challenging unit economics and cash flows early on uh, and uh, just a lot of choice. And, and, and then finding a category to play in that ultimately would be attractive to, to a strategic you just don't have that much choice, right? And and so, like, are you going to compete with with Gatorade and Body Armor in the isotonic category? You're going to compete, you know, with with Coke and Pepsi and in in and 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 Dr Pepper and soda, right? Like, are you going to compete in in water? Like, it just it's it's it in, in a commoditized category like water. So it just it's hard, but not impossible. And uh, but that's what I would say is that th- those are those they're real challenges and and. And again, if you can break through and, and still be standing in three or four or five years from the time you start, then you've got a chance to play. It seems like you had an intuitive sense from the beginning that brand was going to be a pretty important part of the equation here in terms of like shelf space and getting somebody to stop and getting them to notice you and creating brand preference and all that kind of stuff. What maybe have you learned about brand building as you've gone through this journey? Yeah, I, I knew that we needed to create a fashion show on the shelf, right? Like that, that, that was the one, the big thing for me was like, we've got to be able to create a fashion show on the shelf. So we, we actually had, we actually had different packaging when, when we first launched the product and, and those first bottles came off the line. And I, I looked at it in my hand. I was like, my God, like this is, this is, this looks like a medicine bottle. Right. And so so that was one of the one of the big decisions that we made was to change the packaging before we sold even one bottle. And it's working for us, right? I think when you think about how do you win in, in beverage, there are four P's, right? Products, uh, packaging, pricing, architecture, and people. And so we think that we've got the product box checked, product box checked, packaging checked, pricing architecture. We 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 have a very, very sophisticated retail sales strategy led by an incredible team. And then our people go in there 
and we get after it. I mean, I think we've got the best field execution in all of beverage. And so anyway, I mean, yeah, we, I think the question was about brands. We've got really good packaging. I think there's a difference between packaging and brands that sometimes gets mixed up a little bit. We're still actually working on brand. We're trying to figure out how are we going to look and live in the world behind our behind our packaging. But the truth is, is that the packaging is a 10. And that's, I can sit there and say that, but what I'm, I'm, t- I'm saying that because the packaging is driving trial. And the whole thing in food and beverage mm-hmm. is, will your packaging drive trial? Will you allow, will it help a consumer make it? Remember, right now, a lot of consumers, they're going to our set. They're looking for vitamin water. They're looking for buy. They're looking for, for hint. And so now our packaging has to do the job in a split second to convince or convert that, that, that consumer. Or it has to stand out when you're on display. And again, the, the, the data would suggest that, that the, the packaging is, is, is working. And it seems like some of the variables there are obviously the way that it looks, but also you have a different size than everybody else, right? Like it's a, it's a smaller, maybe a slightly smaller bottle or a narrower bottle or whatever it is. So as I'm walking down the aisle, I'm either looking for you because I already know about you and I recognize the shape, or if I'm to the point about trial, it's distinctive from that perspective. Was that, I assume that was a very deliberate decision. Is that accurate? Yes and no. So we, we, we started as a, as a keep refrigerated item. We were a produce item, right? So, so actually the truth is, is that this was just a stock bottle. I didn't have any choice, right? And, and all I knew was, all I know, all I knew was, was, was Suja's on fire, watermelon water is on fire, right? Like, and they, they're in a very similar bottle. So I said, okay, well, that's got to work. And, and remember at the beginning, we were in, we were HPP'd. So the bottles would get, you'd get filled, right? And then you go on a truck and you go down the street and you go into this big kind of pressure chamber and all the bottles would get loaded up. So you had to have what we call a bullet bottle to be able to go into those chambers in the most efficient way. And the truth is that it ultimately became something that was very differentiated in shelf stable water. So we, we stuck, we, we, we've kept it. We do have vessel size innovation because the one place that we do get beat up a little bit is, oh my God, your bottle's too small. I drink it too fast. So, so we are going to go to a larger bottle, but we're going to keep, we will keep the, the authenticity of the shape and just put, and just put a bigger vessel size into the marketplace. Got it. Got it. So you mentioned people being the fourth P. And obviously there's a very direct parallel from your background in terms of team building and all of that kind of stuff. One of the things I've heard about you is this phrase kind of uncommon grit. And you talked about overcoming those challenges and hard, but not impossible, all that kind of stuff. What are maybe some of the the ways tangibly that you've used to either screen for talent that have that trait how do you maybe model that to your team as a leader? Is that something that you think you can develop in people or do they have to already have it when they arrive? How do you think about that? That's a great question, Sean. Like I, I know within within a couple of minutes, if you've got an unyielding enthusiasm for Lemon Perfect, right? It has to start with that. Like you got to believe that there's magic inside the bottle, right? So that's where it starts. If you don't believe that, like if you don't believe that this is the next billion dollar brand, if you don't believe that you can actually go and impact the health of the American consumer everywhere, like this is not the job for you. And I and and at some point a little bit further down the road, I talk to everyone or I interview everyone. Now it's the like I'm the last last person in. But 
but I make sure that they're prepared for the, 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 how hard the journey is, right? How arduous the journey will be. I say all the time, like I tell, I mean, when I, when I talk to people, this is not a job for the common man or woman. It's not like if you, if you want to work from nine to five, Monday through Friday, there are other really good places out there that, that when you come in on Monday morning, they might pat you on the back and they say, they might say, well, how was your weekend? What did you do? Like, that's not what, it's not, that's not what we have. It's not what we have, but, 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 but like we don't come in on Monday morning and pat people on the shoulder and say, oh my God, did you have fun sliding down, like, like down the river? Like we, 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 and I don't want to like, we also, we also sprint and take a breath, right? Like we, we, we're not maniac, right? But so, so we talk about this concept of clear minds and fresh legs all the time, right? Like we, 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 we prioritize that, but we don't look at days of the week, if that makes sense, because it's not like Publix is closed on Saturday. It's not like Stop and Shop is closed on Sunday. Amazon doesn't shut down on Tuesdays, right? So you're selling. You're all, I mean, the product's available all the time, 24-7, 365. So we have to embrace a different mindset when it comes to that. What I would say is that the payoff, and not just the the monetary payoff. Yes, everyone here is an owner in the business. Everyone has upside in what we're doing. But but the truth is, is that the payoff can be like nothing that you have in your orbit before or after. Like we can actually change the way that people drink water. We can impact, uh, we can remove millions of pounds of sugar from the American diet. We still live in a beverage ecosystem that's dominated by high calorie, high sugar options. And ultimately, people, people, America is not going to to replace their high sugar bridge unless the flavor profile matches. No way. And so like, but every so often a product comes along that's unbelievably disruptive. A product comes along that can actually change fundamental consumer behavior in a category. Right. And we think we have. We think that we've that we've found an incredible, unique opportunity uh, to disrupt a category in that's thirsty, pun intended, for innovation. And and how magnificent is that, that we get to wake up every day and build a business that can drive towards a liquidity event for our investors that can change the 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 financial story of all of our all of our people uh, whether that's paying for college or saving in a different way like that's incredible but and then the third piece of that is 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 that we get to do real social good here by delivering something and allowing people to put something in their bodies that's truly better for you right and we embrace that in a pretty serious way every day. And so for me, that that's a, you get this triality, if you will, of build a great business, be a springboard for your people for whatever comes next, right? Every day, every week, every month, every year, I want our people to feel like they're growing. This will not be the last stop professionally for most of our people. This is a springboard. And then the third one is, is, is the impact on, on the health and wellness of America. And, and we hope at some point the globe, 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're casting a, a big vision with this, and the stage that you're in now, where it's it's you're not a foregone conclusion, but like you've like you said, like you're you're on a very good trajectory at this point. A lot of founders struggle with kind of those those early days again in terms of getting elite team members when it's not that clear. And and like in your case, again, you were, you didn't come from food and beverage, just like for early investors, that might have been interesting. Given your background, like you, you were in D1, but you're, rec- you're trying to recruit against the North Carolinas or the Dukes or whatever it was, I would imagine there's some parallels in terms of like casting a vision and trying to convince somebody to go go play for David rather than Goliath, if that makes any sense. Like, what did you maybe learn from that process, that, or either, either from coaching that you applied or just as the founder itself that, you know, that you would advise other people trying to cast that vision for early top tier team? Sean, I love that. The, the truth is, is when I was at Harvard, you had recruiting lists that, that came out, right? Like whether it was Rivals or Scout.com, ESPN, and, and, and there would be a number one player in the, crunch, in the country, right? And so when I was at Harvard, like I just said, the hell with it. We're going to start at number one, right? And these are kids that these these are kids that are that are being recruited by Kentucky, UCLA, Kansas, Florida, right? Like what we would call blue bloods, Indiana, and 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 my mindset has been the same here. We're always going to start with with the the top level of talent or at least try to chase that talent. And it's we, we've we've been able to ring the bell, if you will, a couple of times. And, and, and we're going to continue to try as the brand accelerates with the absolute best talent out there. What I'll say is I think people like being a part of a team that has the ability to have a chip on their shoulder every day to be an underdog, right? Like we're not talking about settling. Like we're talking about building a business that, that can be not a billion dollar enterprise business, but a billion dollar sales business, billion dollar sales business. And if we just consider, and it's not the exact math, but let's just say that every time that we put a bottle into the world, we get a dollar, right? A dollar of revenue. Eventually we want to, we want to sell, sell a billion bottles. That's, and, and I actually believe like we've got 71 people at the company today. I think if a couple of things, you cut those people open, they bleed yellow. One, two, I think we're all in, 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 crazy enough to believe that we can actually do it. And so you need that, you need that insanity, if you will, among your people, amongst your people of just a belief that that wouldn't be shared by the, the, the external world. But when I look at the data, I look at our ACV. I look at how much channel growth we still have. And I sit there and I say, my God, I think we can actually do it. And so, so, so I guess to answer your question, we're like, we're like that team that, that you feel like is, is, has some real juice behind it, if you will. Maybe we haven't cut down the nets yet. I can assure you that it's not like, it's not like we've won a national championship, but it's like, we're just, it's like we're, we're, we're in the NCAA tournament. We've won a couple games. Now we're in the Sweet 16, but we can win four more games uh, and and be the last team standing. And I do think that when you only get to to professionally do a couple of things over the course of your career, 
Like this is a pretty hard one to walk away from speaking candidly because you've got so much in the business and it's black and white velocity data, right? And and we're well capitalized and we've got great leadership. And so like you, you feel good about sharing the product with your, your friends and your family. So like on that front, we do think we're a pretty attractive place. Like we don't look at ourselves as like, like as, as a, I, I look I, with all due respect, because, you know, like we, 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 we're sitting at their tables right now, like Coke or Pepsi or cured Dr. Pepper. Like, I'm not sure that those are exciting places to go. Like we feel like we're an exciting place to go. And that's the truth. Yeah, that's really cool. You mentioned the idea of velocity. And from what I've heard about you, that seems to be a core value and executing quickly at a high level seems to be pretty important. How do you practically instill that in your team? How do you assess it? Are there are there routines or rituals or processes or things like that that kind of allow you to move faster as an organization than maybe your competitors? Yeah, I mean, we, we listen, it's a scoreboard business for us, right? Like that's, I mean, that we, we, we prioritize how much product we sell. So I come from a very competitive environment, coaching college basketball, like it's a 94 by, by, by 50 court and you either win or you lose. You walk off the floor and you're either one point better or you're one point worse, but there's no in between. And we look at it the same way. Right. Like right now in the enhanced water category, we're seventh in dollar share and we want to be number one. Like we want to cross the finish line. We want to be the category leader by dollar share in enhanced water. So we think about winning the street fight every day just to try to get there. Right. Like that's so we have embraced a culture of like, let's roll up our sleeves. We don't need anything besides our bare knuckles and a great product. And let's go get after it. But it is a street fight out there and our people are, are executing at a, at a really high level. And, and we, we do have something called E equals V at the company. Execution equals velocity. Your execution drives velocity, right? And so we, we do. We have a lot of abbreviations or expressions here that all get our team focused on, on velocity. But, but you don't get to velocity unless you've got elite execution, Right. So how do we drive that execution? How do we get that display activity? It starts with really, really great retail programming. And then it ends with with what we would say, ORE, outstanding retail execution, ORE. We got a bunch of acronyms, right? Abbreviation, WTSF, winning the street fight, right? PIY, paint it yellow. ES, get your extra shots up, right? Like go to an extra store, go to two extra stores, demo on a Saturday morning. What you do in the dark will come to light. Like we just, we, we, that's the mindset. That's the mentality. So yeah, this is not a, I mean, we, 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 we have fun, right? Like a lot of fun. We out with each other and, and do cool things and, and, and that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, we really are all tied by the one commonality of wanting to win and to be one point better. And again, it's not environment for everyone, but it's a fun one. If you're if you're a competitor, yeah, you, yeah. got it. And you, you brought in, I would imagine, a pretty elite team in terms of the retail component. In terms of, I know you go direct to consumer as well online. So I mean, I I imagine that you supplemented with some really talented people to help figure out some of those pieces. What have you given them in terms of taking your background as casting a vision, 
coaching and mentoring team members on a daily basis? Like what, what, what are some of the, maybe the superpowers that you have that are unique to you as a CEO that you've tried to instill in your team that maybe other founders would be able to benefit from? Hire great people and let them run, I think is, is really important, right? So take your time. But, you know, I try to, I try to be the, the, the one with the face paint on, right? And then just really empower our people to build their teams and coach their teams, that, that's, I think that's the most important piece of this all. But, you know, you got to have everyone rowing the boat in the same direction. So the constant communication and the elite energy across the, across the organization, that, that, that bar gets set by me, right? Making sure that we don't have any loose screws, right? Making sure that we look under every rock, that culture, that mindset. And, and so... The truth is that I want to be, my superpower is bringing energy to the table every day. I mean, look, Sean, there are two ways out of this office for me. One is in a box and two is with some coins in my pocket. So I'm going to give it everything that I possibly have. I mean, that's just right. Like I, I mean, man, I don't even know how I would walk outside on the street if we don't win. Like, I don't even know what that, I don't even know what that looks like. I mean, that's, I, I mean, I toss and turn at night sometimes just in that, it, it, with the fear of that. Like they're, they're, I'm telling you right now, like there is no turning back. If we don't win, I'm a dead man. Like that's, there's a sense of urgency, right? Like we built the moat around, around them and perfect around our, IT, our IP, but someone's coming and it's not like, it's not like, it's not like Coke's pulling vitamin water out of their system tomorrow. They're, they're trying to grow. KDP's trying to figure out what they do with buy. Like they gotta, they gotta find a way, like, and so Hint's got to rise from, from, from some of their recent dislocations. Like, like, they, like there's, I mean, everyone's fighting. And, and so there's a sense of urgency. And I have to, I guess my principal challenge every day is to, is to make people feel like this is the one shot that you have to do something really special, but at the same time, make sure that they don't feel the pressure of that burden if that makes sense. And so yeah. Yeah, um, I think we've done, I think we've done a good job of it. And again, getting 71 people to feel that burden without undue duress, that's challenging. But I would say that we've done a really good job of it. Along those lines, coaches, from what I understand, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, being very detail oriented seems to be a pretty common trait amongst kind of elite coaches in terms of finding a way to balance this like insane competitiveness with, like you said, executing at a really high level startup land, like the phrase move fast and break things is pretty common, but the problem is, is you break things, right? And so are there things that you've implemented at an operational level, like management cadences, things like that to help people have that level of velocity while still executing at a really high level? Does that make sense? Yeah. What I would say is we really prioritize being on the same page. So our leadership team meets every Friday. We have call sheets when anyone on our team talks to a distributor or to a retailer, right? So, so that's, that's been something that we've prioritized to just making sure that everyone's on the same page. We love to share success. So we have a Slack channel called the Yellow Board where it's a national Slack channel. So whether you're winning in Florida or winning in, 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 
Oregon or anywhere in between, like the company sees it. So we love to celebrate each other's wins, each other's successes. And then we just, we try to come up with a a really smart, sophisticated plan. And then we get after it. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. We're getting better and better, right? Like again, our, our retail strategy, I think is as far as emerging beverage goes, it's very, very strong. We prioritize field execution. I mean, Sean, 85% 85% of our organization is sales headcount. So again, like if th- th- that, that tells everyone that like we're just focused on, on, on selling product. Our best marketing is the product in a cooler or on display, to be honest, right? Like that's the best way to get bottles into someone's hands. So, so, you know, I hope that answers the question, but we just, we just really prioritize communication and, and that's been, yeah. And then I do, I mean, we, we, there, every, every, I mean, I look at every centimeter of every, whether it's packaging, whether it's a, a point of sale, piece of point of sale material, like I am obsessive, obsessive about every centimeter, about every word, about every color. Someone, someone put a t-shirt in front of me today that was not an exact match of yellow, our PMS 102. And I, I lost my mind. Like you got to have a maniacal attention to detail. So the truth, otherwise it doesn't work. Otherwise it doesn't work. So, you know, now sometimes you just want to let things go and run, but, but we're, we're pretty, we're pretty dialed in and buttoned up. Got it. Makes sense. You mentioned the, the retail thing specifically is a key to your success and without kind of betraying your secret sauce or whatever it is. Are there lessons that you've learned again for folks that are trying to operate in, in where retail is going to be an important piece of their business that, uh, that you think might be applicable for other types of brands and other types of categories? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, listen, we're, we're, we, we, we prioritize winning in retail, right? I mean, I haven't seen, at least to this point, I haven't seen a Coke or a Pepsi truck back up to Amazon. So like, ultimately we want to be you know, we, we want it, we're a beverage business. So we have to think about ourselves in a very different way than if we were selling socks, right? Like we're not selling socks. We're not selling mattresses. Like we're, we're not selling shoot, like beverages are relatively inexpensive and they cost and, 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 and shipping is, is expensive. And, and so with that we've tried to create a flywheel with retail first, right? And then we, we, we do feel very strongly about our, our e-commerce business. I mean, our Amazon business is is on fire and 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 we believe in the value of having good dot com business or at least a presence. How we allocate spend is an ever evolving discussion, right? But but I, I just think in food and beverage, when you're trying to drive trial and the immediate response to a customer like walking into a Publix or walking into a ShopRite or a Croak, it's very very different. Like when you can actually see a product and put your hand out and grab it and then like have immediate satisfaction of drinking the product or taking it home and eating it right away. Very, very different than having to wait for something online, right? Even like instant commerce, like the, like GoPuff, for instance, yes, boom, fast, quick, but it, it, there's still some friction in food and beverage on trial there, right? Like what we've learned is that so much trial for beverage happens in store. And, and so we're, we're going to continue to prioritize that channel. Now, having said that, we're, we're seeing more and more acquisition on 
on our e-commerce platforms for people that are willing to wait a couple of days to go try liquid gold, if you will. That's very cool. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. It's a really impressive story. I mean, it sounds like a relatively small team still to be to have achieved what you've managed to achieve, again, in a relatively small period of time. So congrats on everything. It sounds like y'all are off to the races. For folks that maybe want to learn more about Lemon Perfect or where, where, where should we send them? Lemonperfect.com would be the best place to go and, and really appreciate that plug, Sean. Listen, it was great being on. We're excited about the story that we're building. What I'll say is that there's only one number that matters and that's the last one, right? Like we're in the game. Uh, we're, we're, we're in the game. We only want to just survive in advance. But the truth is, is that these outcomes are, are somewhat binary, right? I think our chances of being a zero outcome are far less today than they were a couple of years ago. But, but as I've talked about, we have big dreams. We want to be the last, the last team standing. And to do that, Sean, there's only one number that matters. And that's the last one. So I appreciate your, your laudatory comments, but, but we're going to remain grounded. We're going to remain hungry. And I hope I can come back on the show here in a couple of years and, and have more stories of success. But again, congratulations to you. This is awesome. No, this has been very fun. It's hard not to interact with you and not start to bleed yellow a bit. So it's been a, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate the time and best of luck in the, in the coming months and years. Sean, thank you so much. Thank you. For more ideas on how to disrupt your own organization, visit us at manifold.group. And if you enjoyed this episode, we'd love a review on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you use. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.